Hey everyone, welcome back to the Keeping Local podcast powered by First Federal Bank. Today, I'm joined by Christine Spett, the CEO of Cousin Subs, an iconic brand here in Wisconsin with nearly 100 locations and Cousins turns 50 this year. Christine also happens to be a board member here at First Federal. Christine, welcome to the show. It's good to see you. Hi, Richie. It's great to be here. For those who don't know, can you just give a quick background on the company history and its ties to Southeast Wisconsin? You bet. Cousins was started here in Milwaukee in 1972. So as you said, we're celebrating our 50th anniversary this year, which is a a really great milestone, particularly for restaurants, because it's a hard industry to have a lot of longevity in. And uh, it was started. Our first location was on 60th and Silver Spring by two cousins, my dad, Bill Specht, and his cousin, Jim Shepard. And, you know, they based their the product off of their favorite restaurant in Atlantic City, New Jersey, where they are from. Uh, my dad was living here when he started the business and recruited his cousin to move here uh, to be partners. And so they really just started because they missed the East Coast-style sub sandwich and uh, thought this would be a great time to open it up. And it really was the with the intent of having one restaurant and seeing how it goes, right? Maybe just try to support their families. But it really it really took off from there. It hit a home with people here in Milwaukee. Absolutely. And what was it like growing up in that family? Were you working in the stores? Did you ever think you would work for the family business when as as an actual career? That's a great question because we, of course, it was my first job when I was 15. I couldn't wait. I worked at our store in Germantown, Wisconsin, which of course is still there today. To one of our busiest restaurants, and I still remember my first day working. It's some of those things you just don't forget. And but beyond that, you know, beyond working in the restaurants uh, as a cashier and a sandwich maker, I wasn't thinking that I would do this as a career. My degrees are have have nothing to do with uh, the restaurant industry. I have a degree in criminology and law studies, and in a master's in public administration. So my parents allowed me, and it really encouraged me to have forge my own path and see what else was out there. They never said, you must work for the company. So when I joined the company professionally in 2001, it was uh, really a welcome choice because I wanted to get back to the family business. And even then, uh, because my role back then in 2001 was in human resources, there wasn't the plan then to have me run the company at some point in time. It was really just working for the company in HR and we'll see where it goes. But um, but as things turned out, I have had the opportunity and I, I went after it. And what, what's that? Is your husband still at the company too? You have the whole, what's, what's it like being in that family environment, um, all the time compared to something else you could have, could have gone and done? I love it. I love being in the family business. It's, I, I love my job. And I and I tell people that, you know, not every day is going to be great in whatever job you have, but you spend the best hours of your life typically at your job. So you really need to enjoy it. And I can say that I, I absolutely enjoy it. And yes, my husband, JJ, is still working at the company. He's our director of franchise sales. And I really appreciate it. It's, it's still going well uh, since the last time we spoke. And I love it because him and I can talk about work at home but it doesn't necessarily run our lives because, of course, we have a family and we do other things. But when we do talk about work, we have a collective understanding of what's happening so we can talk about ideas and challenges in a way that sometimes spouses can't 
with one another because they're just not at the same company. So he understands the business as well as I understand the business. So then we can work together on some, talking about some of the challenges or even future opportunities where we want to go. Yeah, you get it. That that makes a lot of sense. So Cousins Sandwich Shop, you guys are in a very competitive business. Um, what are some of the things that you really focus on to stand out? There's a few things we focus on, and and it's really about being uh, true to the foundation of the brand. One of our values is grounded, and you could ask uh, anybody about our brand, and they would tell you, well, we serve you know grilled and deli fresh subs, and but beyond that, it's served on bread that is my my dad and his cousin's recipe from the '70s, uh, and it's the same recipe today as it was back then. And that foundation, the bread, is the hallmark of our brand. So really wanting to care about the quality of the product that we serve to our guests uh, is very important. And the other thing is we have continued to give back to the community. So we have a foundation, the Make It Better Foundation. We've given over $750,000 since 2013 to various local organizations where our cousin stores are located. We focus on things like health and wellness, youth education, and hunger. So there's a lot of outward-facing things that we do to differentiate ourselves from our competitors because it is highly competitive, and somebody could say, well, it's just another sub-sandwich. We try to be different, but even inwardly, we try to be different. We have a very strong culture. I'm very proud of that. Uh, we recently were named the uh, tw- uh, top workplace uh, for 2022 from the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, so we're really happy about that. That's the second year in a row. And to get awards that recognize our workplace, our work style, our culture are very difficult because we have such a fragmented workforce. We're not under one roof. We're in many different buildings, and it's hard to really kind of drive that culture to all those locations. Similar, really, to First Federal, where they have different branches, but yet it's all under one roof. So when you're driving that culture, it's really it's really critical that that gets down to everyone. Yeah, and can you touch on technology? I know you've evolved quite a bit. You had a big online ordering initiative that I think started before the pandemic, which I'm sure paid off through the pandemic, but touch on the evolution of that. The technology continues to evolve. That's exactly right. So we had in place pre-pandemic, we had online ordering, we had third-party delivery. Little did we know how fortunate we were to have the technology in place to be able to really ramp that up because of the pandemic. So obviously when, when COVID hit, that completely transformed how our guests were enjoying our sandwiches. And they were then ordering with through third-party delivery and, you know, um, ordering through curbside, which we didn't even actually have curbside before the pandemic. We launched it in about 48 hours because we had the technology. We just never launched it. But we were able to turn that component on and really then connect with our guests to help them navigate through that. So it was really over the past, say, 10 years, we've laid a foundation from a unified point of sale system in all of our restaurants to then continuing to increase the technology, whether, it, like I said, it's online ordering, third-party delivery, curbside, and now launching loyalty, all those components of technology have helped to complement our business and just to help people help people get our product in a way they want to. We, consumers are changing. Consumers are purchasing differently. And you have to be ready to adapt to that. COVID forced that for many businesses. Uh, but like I said, since we had that foundation, we could just highlight and enhance our the technology that we did have. And 
you talk about the last 10 years, you guys were obviously started in 1972, but you've gone through a, a massive rebrand. You closed a lot of stores. You rebranded a lot of stores. You've opened a lot of new stores since then. Can you touch on the rebrand and the importance of that while staying true to Cousins Roots because you guys do have such a loyal following in the area? Right. When I started in 2008 as the president, uh, we had the first few years, we were still working through some, uh, just some issues with my dad, with my dad's partner's estate, because my dad's partner's passed away. And so then really starting in about 2011, we took a look at the brand, my leadership team and I, and we recognized it for what it was, a brand that serves great products in spite of our environment, in spite of the guest environment, in spite of what inconsistency inconsistencies existed throughout the brand. So whether that was, you know, in 2001, we had some stores that were microwave stores, right? They didn't have grills, but yet we were serving cheesesteaks. Well, you know, that we felt was a big inconsistency in product quality and presentation to the guest. So we started, we, we made a program where we put grills in our locations and we helped to subsidize some of the cost for our franchise owners to put grills in their locations because it makes a better product. So that is just one example where we've tried to increase the consistency of the product quality, but then certainly the environment. Our stores were very old, very tired, and very different from one another, depending on the year in which they were built. So we, since that time, we've embarked on creating a brand strategy that unifies the look and where you know that if you're in a Cousins, even if it doesn't look exactly like the one you were just in in, say, Appleton, you have the essence of the brand that that you understand what that is. And the brand that we have now is really one that's meant to just continue to evolve where where we just maybe update you know some materials and colors and lighting, but the brand will continue to evolve in that way. So that was a big undertaking because we had a lot of corporate stores that needed to be re- we needed a reinvestment, and then we had a lot of franchise locations that needed reinvestment. We gave our franchisees though the opportunity to reinvest. We said you have to reinvest, you you have to do it. When in the past we didn't really make it enforced, but we gave them the opportunity to reinvest at the time their franchise agreement was going to be up for expiration and renewal. So then that way they could plan for, do they want to stay be with, still be with cousins? Do they want to reinvest? How are they going to afford to reinvest? So during that time, those early years, we closed 40 restaurants. We, we exited a number of franchisees. And then even today, we have franchisees that are selling to us corporately to then to, to move on because maybe they're just looking towards retirement. So there's been a lot of change in through that. But it's been good because we've been able to really make the brand consistent for the consumer who really deserves that experience every time. Yeah, I was going to ask, was there a lot of resistance or pushback when you took on that initiative? Because the business at the time, I'm guessing, was it was profitable. It was doing fine. But to really probably get to the next level and build it kind of, quote unquote, future proof it in a way, necessary steps. It was met with some resistance, but... We, if keep in mind too, 2008 had the recession, right? So, so we were kind of climbing out of that, and stores were profitable. But the past philosophy for cousins and and the leadership of cousins, you know, they didn't require those remodels because the individual franchisee was making money or maybe had a loan, you know, from their initial build out, and so then that was paid off. Then you don't want to have to go into another loan. So it was very much individual and individual store focused. And we just said, look, we really need to make this a brand while thinking of you individually, and we think this will be better for you individually, but we can't sacrifice the brand because we're not enforcing a remodel. So 
What we did, you know, you, 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 the price is the price, and, and it varied depending on the location. But what we were was very transparent and very honest. And we also involved the franchise community in decision making. We showed them the palettes, the design palettes ahead of time. We kind of we involved them. We asked them for their feedback so that it wasn't just pushed on them. Which, as a franchisor, you can really do that. And many and most, I'd say, franchisors do that. They they tell their franchisees, "Remodel, or you're out." We really didn't want to take that heavy-handed approach because that's just not our culture. It's just not the values that I live by. Yep. Um, you touched on culture. You obviously mentioned you guys just got voted top place to work mm-hmm. in the area by yep. the Journal Sentinel. I know that's a that's a great award. Um, do you have any advice on on building a culture? What do you guys focus on at Cousins and any takeaways for other business owners or HR people listening to this podcast right now? Things that we do to build our culture is we we try to be authentic. And for us, that means living our values. So I mentioned earlier, one of our values is grounded. We're also optimistic, we're purposeful, and we're passionate. Those are the four values that you'll see in a wall or in in you know, on in some type of artwork, you'll see those in the restaurants, you'll see that in our corporate support center. So people know that you have to kind of participate in that culture. And you may not experience or live those values in the same level every single day, but it's about understanding that that's the expectation. When we talk to our employees about that, when I, when I do the final interview, when we hire people here at the, at the office, I talk to them about our culture because I want to make sure that they're a culture fit. So it's really from the very beginning life cycle of the employee when they come on board. And then we live that, right? It, and maybe that's just by having some fun at the office. Uh, today, our support center made a Cinco de Mayo. Um, we had a you know a Cinco de Mayo potluck, and everybody likes to participate. In our restaurants, we'll uh, reward and support our restaurants. Maybe we'll give them a hot potato bar or we'll give them, you know, an ice cream bar, you know, for their all their teams to recognize them and the hard work that they're doing. So we really try to make that on par at both levels at the support center and with our restaurants. But that culture has to start at the top. And and yet, and for me, that's what I love to do. I love to live our culture and I love to talk about our culture and and try to be as authentic as I can and then push that down to our employees. And, and I think employees that have left the company, maybe that don't fit the culture, I think they kind of figure it out pretty quickly. And we're not heavy handed about it or anything, but it's just, you kind of, it's really important to us um, because while we will have turnover and we understand that, you still, there's just this value set that we live by. And, and I really want you to... I, Love cousins, right? We make and sell subs. I tell the team that all the time. It's very simple, but we have to make and sell as many subs as we can so that we can, you know, pay debt, reinvest in our employees, and also reinvest in the community. And so when you drive that home, they get that and they understand that and they want to they want to make and sell as many subs as they can. So important. Um, are you still working in the stores too? I still You're work still in the stores. In. Yes, I was at our store on uh, Villard uh, earlier this week working over lunch, which is great fun. Um, we have great general managers. I work in all of our corporate stores once per year, and now we're up to 43. So it's it, it's filling my schedule more, but it's a great way for me to live those values, stay grounded, and still is one of the best parts of my job. I love it. How do you, how do you decide which one you're going to? Well, really, are I... Are these planned out much in advance, or are you just dropping it? No, I would I would never do that to the teams in the... In the uh, in the store. They they want to be ready. So I uh, give my director of operations, Hillary, I give her my schedule and she she puts me wherever she wants me to go for that period of, of time. But it's it's great fun. I love to connect with the employees. I love to connect with the guests. And it keeps me keeps me hands-on and understanding what's happening. What, one more question about the in-store experience. How, how do you guys come up with new products and menu items? 
at the Corporate Support Center, we have a menu development team. So we think about trends and kind of profiles and taste that are that are on that are coming up, and we think about how can we do that and and kind of parlay that to cousins and make it make it a cousins. Uh, specific uh, product, and and there's a couple ways to do that, Richie. We can do, we can offer limited time only subs. So LTOs are limited time only. We probably do those quarterly, and then we can, but we, then we can put on permanent menu items. So for example, uh, in the last couple of years, we've launched shakes, and they're incredible. They're so good. We have chocolate, vanilla, and right now we have strawberry, and we'll rotate other shake flavors in. That's a gelato product. It's wonderful. And yet other times, like right now, we have our East Coast Philly sub sandwich, and it's really a nod towards the East Coast Philly sandwich in honor of our 50th anniversary celebration. That's just That will be on the menu limited time. But the best part about that is I'm on the menu development team, and we do all that formulation of the product in our support center where we have a test kitchen. So it's a full store inside our support center where we do anything from training, um, baking classes to testing kiosks, uh, you know, which will you'll see in stores soon, and also looking at then menu development and things like that. So it's a lot of fun because it also means a lot of trial and error. So when we were coming up with the shake flavor, for example, you know, I think we tested like twenty five different shake flavors. When did when did the cheese curds get added to the menu? Oh my gosh! Uh, I want to say the cheese curds have been around. Uh, by the way, those are amazing. They, People don't necessarily think of cheese curds when they're going to get a sub, but they don't. And that I'm glad you said that because that's one of the things that helps to differentiate us from our competitors because we're not just a sub and chips. We have all these fantastic sides, right? So, Fr- like fries I mentioned, are the shakes, good too. the fries are amazing. The cheese curds. We have soups. It's it's really good and and they're high quality because we don't want to just throw something on the menu and see hope it works. The curds, you know, we're really proud of those curds. We win awards for those curds, you know, the kind of those best ofs in the in the periodicals around the state. So uh, they're they're very good. I want to say that's probably been about five years ago. I bet. Oh, that's it. Yeah, I, I, you Smart know, move. I, I don't know. I'm thinking maybe it was longer than that. I don't know. Well, I just wanted to make sure they got a plug on the podcast. Well, thank you very much. And they're here to stay. So curds are not going anywhere. Good to know. Breaking news here on the Keeping It Local <laughs> podcast. You're, you guys are making some, some aggressive moves towards the future, too. I know you're opening up new locations. You have some expansion coming. Can you touch on that? I can touch on that. We, we understand that while our current stores are doing very well, I mean, over the last 10 years, our average unit volume, so I mean, the average sales of each unit has gone up 93%, right, over the last 10 years. So that's a huge jump and a huge accomplishment for us. Same store sales are up 57% over the last 10 years. But we also need to forge new ground. We need to continue to grow and expand. And we do that in two ways. The new ground will be new growth and development. You know, we're looking at uh, corporate development uh, in Indiana next year, and we're very excited about that. But we're also looking at reinvestment in legacy markets where the stores maybe are old and tired. For example, we just opened up this last month two brand new freestanding locations with drive-thrus in Sheboygan, one on the north side and one on the south side. Now, Cousins has been in the Sheboygan market for well over 25 years, but the stores got tired and they became not in the right location exactly. So when we acquired those stores corporately, we knew we had a long-term plan, and that was reinvestment in the Sheboygan market to really be the brand that we know we are and be proud of, but not just here in Milwaukee making sure that extends beyond 
just Milwaukee. So Sheboygan, for example, we're opening up a new freestanding restaurant in Green Bay. We'll have more development in Green Bay. We're very excited about the Fox Valley, but you know, it doesn't happen overnight. It takes a lot of planning. What does freestanding mean? Yeah, freestanding means it's just its own building with a drive-through instead of being in a strip center. And maybe if we're in a strip center, we might we want to be on the end of the strip center because we'd hope we'd be able to have a drive-through, but that doesn't always happen. But that would be our second choice. So a freestanding, its own unit with a drive-through is our kind of our number one target. And that was really a lesson out of COVID because while our drive-through stores have always been great because they may, gave a guest another option, it became so necessary. And the performance of those drive-through locations are just essential. And again, people's habits continue to evolve. Less and less people are getting out of their vehicle to come inside. They want to just make it quick. And so we have to design a drive-through flow that can make it quick, but yet to our quality. So it still isn't pre-made food. You know, it's made to order, uh, but yet we feel we can execute it in a, in a timely manner where people know that they may wait three minutes, but they're, but they're going to have a great product that's made just for them. Also, when I was doing my homework, I'm not sure if these numbers are, are still accurate, but I'm guessing they're close. You guys have 41 owned corporate stores, 53 franchise or owned stores. How has that shifted over the last 10 years? To, and how do you see that shifting in the, in the future? It has shifted a lot, and and that's that is very close. Right now, we have forty forty three corporate stores, and uh, you know, ten years ago, we would have had as you know, we've had as few as eight, and that was probably in that was closer to fifteen years ago, and and we, but yeah, we kept it maybe around. It grew then a little bit to fifteen sixteen units. But this really big growth trajectory we've had on a corporate basis is not necessarily new store development. It's acquiring franchisees who are exiting the system. When I started in at Cousins in 2001, we had over 90 franchise groups. Today, we have less than 30. And that doesn't mean we're not franchising, but we're very particular about who we're franchising with. So we don't just... Uh, open the floodgates, right? We, we stay very disciplined to, to what we are looking for and who we're looking for in, in terms of franchising. And then with our franchisees, as I mentioned earlier, many of them are have been in the business for 20 or 25 years. They're thinking about their retirement and they're thinking, this is probably a good time to sell because business has been very good for them. So Corporately, we're a natural buyer because, well, we have the first right to buy, but because we already have the systems and processes in place, it's not as though a franchisee has to sell to a brand new person coming into the custom system. That's difficult because they have to, that individual needs to learn the system. This way, it's, it can be nearly a seamless transition with, with corporate stores. And as long as we're willing to invest in the labor and the support to help those stores be successful as a corporate store, you know, we can continue to grow that. I, I, you will see continued corporate growth. At the same time, you will see con- you will see franchise growth. But a lot of it, but again, it's about being very selective about who we pick and where we allow restaurants to grow. Uh, franchising and franchised concepts sometimes get, uh, they get a little bit fast and loose with franchising. They'll open up, they'll open a, a ward of franchise to just about anybody that may be great for the initial franchise fee, but it causes you pain because you're married to them for 10 years if that's how long your agreement is. So it's really about minimizing those pains that you will have with the relationship. 
in, at the beginning, and, and so we'd rather be very slow and cautious in our franchising than, than really have anybody come in. Yeah, it seems much more sustainable and with a lot less headaches. Yes. <laughs> well said. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, you're you're very active in the Milwaukee community. I know you are personally and obviously through the Make It Better Foundation at Cousins. Why did you join the first federal board here? And are there any similarities between your business and a community bank? Well, there were a number of reasons why I joined the first federal board. You Other know, than Ed Schaefer, I know that's well, a big Ed's, one. Well, Ed's pretty great, you know. Um, but he, but I'll tell you, my dad was on the first federal board for many, many years, many years, and uh, and there is a, when I was asked because I didn't lobby for it. Well, when I was asked to be on it, I was really touched because I thought at that time my dad had stepped off, and I thought, well, maybe I can do something good here. Well, it's a great organization. They are so similar to cousins in the sense that they're, you know, they're Wisconsin-based. They're a small, small business, right? We're not these big behemoths out there. We have competitors that are larger than us. But the similarities are such that, you know, they invest in the community, whether that's buying branches that are in areas where maybe there are the underserved, you know, it's about helping individuals, uh, achieve some financial independence and have a place to go where maybe if they're starting their business, they have a trusted banking partner in their community. That's really important. I really love that. And then they have their foundation, you know, just like Cousins has its foundation. First Federal has a foundation. They support causes, whether that's promoting financial literacy for young people, which I think is just so important, or helping, you know, uh, women's shelter in Waukesha. You know, there's there's many things that that First Federal does that touches hearts and lives of individuals. So it's not for them just about getting a banking fee or you know making the money. It's really about staying invested in these communities, and that is certainly at the heart of Cousins. And so having that, ha- learning that more in depth about First Federal just solidifies that relationship that I have with them. And I couldn't be more proud to be on the board of First Federal. Very cool. We'll end it there. Thanks so much for coming on. It was great seeing you today. Thanks, Richie. I really had fun. Thank you. 